Hi, you are listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hawking Estates, Illinois. You will be hearing a sermon from Pastor Jared Aron. So without further ado, here he is. It's good to see people connecting and having fun with it. If you're new to Harvest or Emmanuel, my name is Jared. I've been on staff with Harvest for four years. My favorite flavor of ice cream is black cherry. My phobias are speaking in front of people <laughs> and heights. And I've never been to New York City. I can't believe all the places I've traveled, I've never been to New York City. Well, this morning, I'm excited for us to be together and to share and just sense uh, just the unity we have in Christ uh, together. The sermon today is going to be from 2 Corinthians 3, verses 1 through 3. So if you have a Bible, you can turn there now or you can follow along on the screen. I just want to read the text for us and then um, I'll lead us in prayer. This is Paul writing. He says, Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, like some people, letters of recommendation to you or from you? You yourselves are our letter written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Let's pray together. God, I just thank you for today. Just the gift it is to gather as two churches, um, expressing that we are one through your Son, Jesus Christ. And God, we know your Holy Spirit is already wor- at work among us. Uh, we, we sense, God, that you are here, you are present. And we just really pray, God, that we would just avail ourselves to you now. We thank you for the gift of your word, and we pray your word would show up and speak to us where we're at, and would lead us to be people who tell our stories, declare the wonders of what you've done in our lives. And God, we just pray that you would receive glory this morning. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Our oldest daughter, Jenna, who's now five, has always loved puzzles. Uh, at a young age, she would spend what seemed like hours putting a puzzle together, taking a part, and doing it all over again. There were moments I thought to myself, is this child neglect to let her do this for so long alone? We recently got this Disney World puzzle, and she was so excited to open it up. It has 750 pieces, very small pieces, very difficult puzzle. And she went after it. She started just laboring to put it together. And she spent a few hours working on it, and Yvonne and I were kind of helping her out, but we're we're just not as patient as she is. We left the puzzle unattended for a little bit. We came back, and it was completely destroyed. Our youngest daughter, Becca, who is going to be three on Tuesday, is in this phase of destruction. How do you know that original sin is true? You watch it play out in the life of a toddler. 
And Jenna comes back and finds her puzzle just destroyed. All this time, all this labor, gone in a moment. Have you ever had that happen to you where you invested your heart in something? You invested your time? And in a moment, someone or something comes along and messes it up. This morning, as we look at 2 Corinthians 3, how Jenna felt seeing her puzzle messed up is so small in comparison to how the Apostle Paul must have felt with the church in Corinth. Paul was the first to to go to the Corinthians and share the good news of Jesus Christ. And out of his preaching of the gospel, a new church is born. And he, Paul actually lived with them for 18 months, teaching them and discipling them. And yet there are these ongoing struggles where the church just keeps getting messed up. And throughout the letters of 1st and 2nd Corinthians, we see the messiness of the church of Corinth. Sexual perversion, lawsuits among believers, divisiveness, and the list goes on and on. Eugene Peterson writes, can you guys help me out? There we go. This is what Eugene Peterson writes. The Corinthian Christians gave their founding pastor Paul more trouble than all his other churches put together. No sooner did Paul get one problem straightened out in Corinth than three more appeared. And in this passage, the problem now in Corinth is a growing doubt among the Corinthians about Paul's credibility as a leader. Verse 1, this is what Paul writes. He says, are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, like some people, letters of recommendation to you or from you? Here's what's going on. There are false teachers infiltrating the church questioning Paul's credibility. What right did he have to teach and influence the church there? And specifically, they're asking the believers for a letter of recommendation from Paul. And back in that day, a traveling preacher or prophet would often carry with him a letter of recommendation written by a higher council or authority structure to give them credibility. I mean, when Paul hears about this, them questioning him, this had to be so heartbreaking for him. The Corinthians knew him personally. He lived among him, among them. They saw his life. They heard his teaching. But now they're questioning Paul's very right to do ministry. I mean, let's be honest. The church of Corinth was messed up. Even after the gospel comes, and they're trying to follow Jesus, people were still struggling with their brokenness and their sin. And yet, really, it's no different for us today. Even after coming to Christ, there are still areas in our lives that are messy, that are broken, all of us are still a work in progress under the care of the Holy Spirit. I know that there are still parts of me that are messed up, 
as a man, as a husband, as a father, as a pastor, as a friend. There are areas that I'm farther than I care to admit in being all that God wants me to be. I love what Billy Graham's wife, Ruth, she passed away a few years ago, has on her tombstone. I don't know if you'll be able to see the words at the bottom. But it says, end of construction. Thank you for your patience. What a very humble thing to have inscribed on your tombstone. I think we just have to be honest and real with the fact While we live on this earth, we will still be under construction. We will still face the challenges of our messed up condition. We will still struggle with sin until we die or Jesus comes back. So in the face of this criticism, how will Paul respond? How will he defend himself? Here's what he writes. You yourselves are our letter, written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. Paul's defense here is a little shocking. He says that the lives of the Corinthian believers are evidence of his credibility. You yourselves are our letter. Really, Paul? Really, this messed up church who doesn't even respect you as a leader? It's surprising with all the churches that Paul has worked with that he wouldn't reference another church, a church that was healthier and had less problems. He continues in verse 3, You show that you are a letter from Christ. The result of our ministry written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Even in their messed up condition, even in their disrespect for Paul, God allows Paul to see beyond all that. Paul sees that God is doing something new and great among all the mess. The work of transformation that Christ is doing is what Paul stakes his credibility on. You are a letter from Christ, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God. A letter from Christ. He says, I don't need any other letter of recommendation than this, the story that Christ is writing among you, the work of God's power and God's grace amidst all the mess. Isn't this what church is all about? Even amidst our struggles, our shortcomings, our failures, we believe in a gospel and our God that truly changes people. We gather today not as a perfect people who have it all together, but a people who have been marred and messed up in our sin 
our brokenness. But a people who have begun to experience the glory of a life changed by the power of Jesus Christ. And I don't know about you, but this is what I want to give my life to. Watching God transform people's lives by his power and his grace. Reminds me of a verse that Paul writes a few chapters later. Talking about the new life in Christ. He writes, therefore, if anyone is in Christ. Sorry. You guys flip it again. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. Paul was able to see the new creation that God was bringing forth in the Corinthians, even with all their struggles. And for us today, Jesus Christ is still writing letters. He is still writing a story of new creation in us as the old life passes away. And I think we know it's not always pretty. It's often Messy. But the story over time will reveal God's transforming grace and power in our lives. And just as Paul says of the Corinthians that their letter was known and read by everyone, our stories can't be kept hidden or private. But our stories need to be told, need to be made known and declared. I believe the sharing of our stories of how God is at work is one of the greatest assets that we have in the kingdom of God. For reaching people who are far from Christ, but also for building healthy, biblical community. When I say story, I don't necessarily mean someone's testimony, but it could be that. I mean by story, the ongoing work of God in a person's life. The sharing of what God has done and is doing to unfold his love and redemption in us. I was so so grateful for Dan stepping up to share his story this morning. And as he shared, man, he was hesitant to do it. He was reluctant. But I long for us to be churches who are sharing more of our stories, more of the messiness and more of the new work that God is doing in us. And yet I recognize that there are hurdles that keep us from sharing our stories. It could be our fear of being vulnerable, that we'd be exposed, that we'd be judged by others. It could be our doubt that God is actually even doing something in our life. It could be our pride or our shame that keeps us from sharing the places that are messier in us. But related to all these hurdles, we need to remember that when we share our story, it's so much less about us. It's so much more about God and what he's doing. Our stories point back to Jesus as the author of our story. It points back to his power and his grace in our lives. 
And I truly believe, and when we talk about giving God glory, I truly believe God receives glory when we share our stories publicly and declare what he is doing in us. Whenever I hear someone's story, like I heard Dan's this morning, I always recognize that it is a gift. It is a privilege to hear someone's story, to hear how the gospel is becoming real in someone's life. Maybe part of our struggle is we feel like we have to tell the huge, dramatic story or video-worthy story. It has to be this big thing. And I really believe we need to learn to, to share the smaller stories, the little ways that God is showing up in our lives and revealing his grace and his power to us. So I want to share a little bit of a smaller story in my life. And it comes from our recent mission trip to Tuba City. It was the last day of the ministry week. It was Thursday. And one of the California team members was sharing the morning devotion. And I was talking to this guy earlier that morning. I was sharing with him, in this season, I sense that God is moving slower than I want him to. And this guy was sharing the devotion. And at the end, he invited us into a time of like surrendering prayer. And it took like you know, two seconds, and God hit me with something, a deep conviction. It was like God saying, you think I'm slow? I'm going to show you right now I am not. And what he brought to my heart was how often I live to please other people rather than him. That's something I struggled with my whole life. It was something deep he was doing in me in that moment. I sensed it was a work of his grace inviting me to surrender how often I live to please others and begin to experience the new life, the new creation of pleasing him alone. And that night, this conviction was going to be put to the test. We had a VBS program celebration. It's something we've never done in Tuba City. We're trying something new. We had no idea how many people would show up, but the church was packed it was an amazing night, amazing celebration of what God had done that week. And each grade presented a little something for everybody else. And the parents were so proud and so thankful for what God was doing in their kids' lives. And near the end of the program, I get, got up to share a few words. And I shared and I sat down. It was just one of those moments that you wish you had a mulligan. You wish you could do it over again. I, I did not feel great at all about what I shared. There was a sense of failure. There was a sense of embarrassment. Um, and in that moment, God was, again, bringing that conviction to mind. Who are you living to please, Jared? Are you living to please the crowd? Or are you living to please me? And he's telling me, you don't have to hit a home run every time. It's more like a dribble right back to the, the pitcher. I mean, I'll be honest with myself. But in this, I mean, I sense God doing a new work in me. And it's something deep. And it's something that he's going to continue to work on me. But this is an example where I messed up. And I need God to change me, to bring the new life that he has for me. 
In a few moments, we're going to spend some time at our tables, and the questions are going to direct us. I see some people shaking their heads already. (laughs) I won't say who. (laughs) These questions are going to invite us to share some of the smaller parts of our stories. And I want to give you a few encouragements before we break up. For some of you, this is going to require a step of courage to open up a part of your story. And you have to remember that it is less about you and it's more about Christ and the story that he is writing in you. But I really believe there is grace at the table. If you don't feel comfortable sharing, you can just say, pass. And that that is something I've been praying about all week, that there would be a spirit of grace at our tables, that we would truly pay attention to one another, that we would listen. Remember that when a person shares, it's a gift being given. It's a letter of Christ that's being written in them. And please don't judge. Please don't correct. Please don't criticize. We're going to have three questions. Can you guys put the questions Three questions that people can choose from. So what we're going to do, we're not going to go question number one, everybody answers question number one. We're going to open it up and invite you to share related to the question that you feel prompted to share from. And for question number two, there's a series of phrases. So just choose one phrase and kind of fill in the blanks. And I'm really hoping and praying that more people would share from number two and three, because that really talks about what God has done in you or is doing in you now. And so be mindful, we have about 25 minutes at our tables. Um, so don't take up 15 minutes and leave everybody else with a minute each. Uh, but share from the heart. Share how God is prompting you. And that before we break up into the tables, I want to give you a few minutes just to reflect on these questions and to pray about them for a moment and to ask for the Holy Spirit to lead you. So we're going to take a few minutes now, and then I'll close us in prayer, and then release you guys to the tables. So a few minutes of quiet, reflective prayer right now. Go. God, I think all of us recognize that we are unfinished products. There's so much more work that you have to do in us, God. But we pray that we would be able to see the new creation that you're unfolding in us. How moment after moment, year after year, God, you are bringing your deep transformation and new life in us. And God, we just want to tell you, you have been so faithful through the ups and downs. I know for some of us right now, this is a very uncomfortable setting. So, God, I pray that you would bring courage. You bring your perfect love that casts out fear. That there really would be a spirit of grace and love at the tables. That's from your Holy Spirit at work. And I really believe, God, that some of us have stories to tell, even this morning, that's going to impact others at the table. That you have arrange the seating in this room to really let people's stories intersect in this moment. So God, we really trust you. 
and pray that you would just continue to work now as we share our stories together. We pray this in Christ's name. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.